0: I was ambitious, wanted to grow, but didn't quite have the skill set. So I built it up to like seven offices and then I met Rich and met Partners Club and downsized. And then from that point forward, once we figured it out, we're significantly bigger by multiples, more than 10x, bigger than what we were beforehand. And we're kind of at the rinse and repeat component as we continue to scale and move forward. But, but yeah, I no longer practice. I just manage and we figured out a couple other business challenges that most law firms have. And we tried to create businesses out of them. So they become, so that instead of being weaknesses, they became strengths. And so we've just kind of doubled down on that. So you guys have known for a long time and you all educated me in quite a few things. And luckily now I can learn with you guys in a lot of stuff.
1: Hey, law firm owners, welcome to the Your Practice Mastered podcast. Today, we're joined with attorney Bert Diener, and we're your hosts. I'm MPS. I'm Richard James, and Michael, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Not only is Bert a member of our
2: world uh, and certainly wildly successful, and we can't wait to hear his journey, but we also consider him a very good friend, him and his wife, Stephanie, and we're partners in other businesses. So I've got a pretty intimate relationship with the Deaners, and so I'm excited to have this conversation just because I've been able to watch their journey and now like explode past anything that you know he learned from me, that's for sure. So I'm excited to hear this journey today.
1: Yeah, explode pass might be an understatement. But, <laughs> Bert, I, I'm curious, for everyone that's listening, why don't you kick us off, break the ice a little bit. What's something that maybe not everyone knows about you?
0: Huh. <sighs> I, you know, I think that's a good question. Um, you know, in terms of what people may not know about me, pretty much I don't really have much of life other than soccer. I love soccer. I love my kids. When they played soccer. I love watching soccer. And there's basically work and now the mountains. So I'm trying to become a mountain man is my goal in life to grow a big beard and just become isolated and just hop on the Internet and go back to, you know, doing my things here in the mountains. So maybe that's kind of where I'm at. But
1: you're a mountain then, then man with mountain- fiber. No, I was going to say, the mountaineer with fiber internet now. Yeah, that's right.
0: And hey, look, you know, you got to be a smart mountain man, right? That's right. So
1: there you go. There you go. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So so look, to, to kind of kick things off, obviously, we're very familiar with the journey. But everyone that's listening, you've got a pretty cool and exciting journey with lots of different sports split off avenues to it. So why don't you just give a high level of some of the highlights of your entrepreneurial journey as an attorney up to this point?
0: Yeah, I started out, you know, I was a struggling kind of general practice attorney, you know, did a lot of things, found a kind of a sweet spot with immigration within terms of, I personally didn't really do a lot of immigration, but we had other attorneys that we found that did, but I was ambitious, wanted to grow. But didn't quite have the skill set. So I built it up to like seven offices. And then I met Rich and met Partners Club and downsized. And then from that point forward, once we figured it out, you know, we're significantly bigger by multiples, more than 10x, bigger than what we were beforehand. And we're kind of at the rinse and repeat kind of component as we continue to scale and move forward. But, but yeah, I no longer practice. I just manage and we've sought, we've figured out a couple other business challenges that, that most law firms have and we create, we tried to get, create businesses out of them so they become, so that instead of being weaknesses, they became strengths. And so we've just kind of doubled down on that. So you know you guys I've known for a long time and y'all educated me in quite a few things and luckily now I can learn with you guys in a lot of stuff.
2: Yeah, you know, plus one on that. So certainly thanks for the shout out for for us and Partners Club. You know, we're honored that we're able to take this journey with you. But I want to point out something that you said, because I do think some smaller attorneys or even medium-sized attorneys, law firms confuse growth and size and revenue and number of offices with success. Your your understanding of that is that that alone is not success now that you've gone through that. Would you agree with that statement? Can you expand on that a little bit? 100%.
0: 100% yeah I thought I was one office away from making money right I was <laughs> we had more offices more cases all I thought I just needed more if I just had more everything would be fine and nothing could be further from the truth I mean more is good if you have a formula and you have a way of understanding your profit model if you understand how to be profitable you understand how to get a case at scale if you understand how to get the work done at scale and if you understand how to grow your team at scale then you can do it. But they are lessons that I had to learn the hard way. And fortunately I got really good feedback and you opened my eyes to a number of things. And as a result, yeah, I, I could say that whatever problem anybody else has, has out there, I either had, or I still have that same challenge, but you know, we may have just put a couple zeros behind it or something in terms of trying to do it at higher volume.
2: Yeah. I, I'm in that boat. Like I, I wear, I have that t-shirt, right? So I had, legal pads loaded with explanations to my wife why east coast italian bride why we should take on this additional debt load for the company because how we were going to do more volume was going to lead to our success right Mm -hmm. and so in the early 2000s after i sold the funeral homes and, and we went into the pet supply business and we were in the inventory business and it's debt laden and it's delayed from chip shipping from china the whole nine yards I was doing all the mathematical calculations and I had, I literally had three notepads full of just every quarter I'd be going to, okay, here's why we got to go get another line of credit. Here's why we got to go get another, you know, string because this order is going to put us over the top. And then inevitably something always broke down and and it wasn't driven by profit first. It was driven by growth first and profit will show up eventually. And the model was all upside down. and, And so that didn't lead to a happy ending for us. Thankfully, you weren't going into debt. You, you just were, you know, that's maybe, you know, you were going to debt because you weren't making a heck of a lot of money. But so you didn't have to save yourself in that regard. But you did learn the, the concept of let's let's grow while being profitable, which is a super powerful tool. Michael, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Where do you want to go from there?
1: No, I mean, so obviously profit's a big underlying tone here, but I'm curious for, was there a particular moment in, in that journey that you counted as like a really, either a failure or a really big learning opportunity, like one pivotal moment for you?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that, I think there were, obviously there's a, you know, there's a string of several moments, right? You think you had the moment like, oh, I got this figured out then you take, you you know, you you mess it up right afterwards, but you start stacking those lessons after one another. For, for me, I'll say that probably, you know, one of the, the, I think the better realizations that, you know, and I'm not here, you know, we're here to talk about kind of what people can apply or what they can learn about us that may apply to them. But Rich, one of the aspects that you kind of brought up is in terms of like collections. We discussed my collections rates, what the collection rates were. And so whether you're talking about collections or whether you're talking about profitability, the question comes down to is you do need to be profitable every day. And so what does that actually look like? And so I would say that you know, one of the biggest challenges that I had beforehand is I thought I had to choose one or the other. I had to learn how to either grow or be profitable. Well, when you learn how to do both at the same time, everything changes. The genius of the and, which I'm borrowing from somebody else, Jim Collins, but when you learn to do both things that you need to do both, but you think you have to choose one or the other. No, keep on digging in until you find out the solution that does both.
2: Yeah. What, what are you passionate about? What is there a market for? And What can you be best at and slice what is what can be profitable and have the positive cash flow? And that Venn diagram overlap, that and really is where it all comes together, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, and absolutely, I would argue that from a standpoint of like even marketing in this kind of sales, like, well, listen, you know, I need more clients, but I don't have enough money. I was like, well, you're going to, you know, how can you spend money? You're going to make more money. How do you do both at the same time? Rather than it being a wish, how solid and focused and consistent can we be with that execution?
2: Which is another problem, right, Michael? You see it all the time, law firms that they. They confuse, well, let's just go spend more money on marketing and that'll solve all my problems, right? But I, I assume you see that to backfire them. Is that correct?
1: Well, yeah, because look, if you go spend a bunch of money on marketing and you don't have any of your other systems built out, like getting that lead to turn into an appointment, getting that appointment to show up, getting that appointment to hire, and then, of course, getting that person to pay in full. If none of that is done right? And you don't have systems there. All you're doing is blowing a bunch of money on marketing to get lackluster results and maybe increase volume a little bit, but the conversion metrics aren't where they need to be. So I just see it taking money and lighting it on fire, essentially.
0: Let let, let, let me plus one on you on there, Michael, because, you know, so we have a marketing company as well. We've got an HR company and we have a software company. On the marketing company side, from working with, you know, hundreds of law firms on the marketing side, Everybody says, I want more leads, and they think that's going to equal more clients. And that's not the case. You can find out your cost per lead, and you can find out your cost per client. And the truth is, is that the majority of your benefit is going to come from sales, improving those conversions, right? So we all think that we're just, if we just had the right leads, we'd have all the clients we want. Well, the truth is, is there's only a a small percentage of clients, people who are ready to hire right this second. But the people that are close to hiring, there's a massive amount of those leads available. And when you learn how to convert those, you start to play, that's, what, that's one of the secret, that's one of the things we figured out. We don't compete on the people who are absolutely ready to hire. We'll take all of the people, all the immigrants out there who aren't quite sure, give me them, because no one's fighting for them anyways. I'll learn how to convert them at scale, and we grow as fast. And in fact, I'm gonna throw one thing out here, Rich. So we're coming up on the one-month mark in a new office. I don't want to say the market right now, but one month in, 50 new clients the first month, that one office. <laughs>
2: Uh, Just to be clear, to give everybody a scope, these aren't $150 (laughs) clients, right? Right. Uh, The the client's worth, what, $4,500-ish?
0: Yeah. I'm working on some new measurements on that. But yeah, anywhere from the $3,500 to probably $5,000 range on average.
2: Right. So just to equate that for anybody who's listening, once you get that... So I want to summarize what Bert just said for those who maybe didn't catch it. So. Bert said okay you gotta you know number one thing was learn how to be profitable grow while you're being profitable then you got to invest in marketing and the only way you invest in marketing is if you're confident in being able to sell them through what we call the perfect client life cycle right. that Michael talked about and and then but once you figure that out and you really have it dialed into a system well now you can rinse repeat that in different markets and now you already know your math and what he's able to do is go to a brand new market and within a single month have 50 new clients ergo two hundred thousand dollars in gross sales sales value in the course of a month, or $2.4 million on, a, on an annual run rate, and we're only 30 days in, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's the power of this, part. Like Absolutely. That's what you figured out, this duplication leverage of this whole
0: knowledge base, right? Absolutely. And a lot of people may not want that level of complexity, but that's okay. The lessons are the same, regardless of the size. I do not have different lessons, you know, at our velocity, We have the same lessons. The only question is that, are you willing to embrace what works and apply it? Because if you want to stay small and do it, that's fine. It'll make your life easier. But, you know, I have a heck of a lot more choices than other people. Let's just be honest. A lot of other lawyers. I have a lot of choice. I can hire, fire whoever I want. I can do whatever I want. I don't have to work again. I don't have to do any of that stuff. But it's fun. And I love seeing other people succeed. And this, I mean, the vast majority of it, I mean, honestly, started with Partners Club. It really started with, and I know this isn't about a plug of Partners Club, but when you can have, when you have a predictable way to generate clients, you're going to have enough cash to write a check to make most other problems go away.
2: But I think it's important what you said, right? I mean, there, Michael, we see it all the time. Like we, most of the people we meet with are small and solos just because that's what the world of attorneys seems to be, right? And so there are guys who, who you know, just want to do 300,000, 500,000, 600,000. Oh, by the way, they, it's interesting. They all tell me they want to do 200, 300, 400, 500,000. But then when they get there, Surprisingly, they want to go to the next level, right? But for, for now, they just want to do three, four, 500,000. They want to be highly profitable while doing it. These, this, what you said is accurate, Bert. What you need to know to get there or to get to 50 million makes no difference. It's zero right. difference in concept. The concept is the same. It's just the velocity at which you want to apply these lessons. Michael, we—I have completely derailed your conversation today. I going no, let I you go to a, your next. Question. No, no,
1: no, no. This, this is good. This is good. And, and I would also say that maybe the, the issues involve a higher volume of people as you get bigger too, right? So that, that, that'd be. But principally speaking, systems are the same throughout. It's just scaling those systems accordingly. of well, like alchemy.
2: You just, you just said it right. Like systems mm-hmm. run your law firm, people run your systems, which means. If you go to move at that scale, you end up with a whole bunch more people. But like, how many people do you have now, Bert?
0: You know, in the law firm, it's, you know, somewhere, give or take, you know, we're around 200 people.
2: Okay. So like somebody just fainted, right? At that, that the <laughs> thought of, you know, there's there's somebody driving down the road. We almost lost them, right? Because right. they're like, yeah. they, they think, think 200 people and they're like, oh my gosh, I couldn't imagine, right? They don't, they can't figure out how to manage them and an assistant let alone 200 people. right? So I don't know where you were going next, Michael, but what, what are some of your horror stories or lessons that you learned about, or maybe advantages or opportunities you learned about the adding people? Like, what do you need to be able to add that type of people force to your
0: world? Yeah, Great I mean, question. so, I mean, I still think that, you know, what it comes down to is we're all, you know, we all start out as small and there's a price to be paid for being small. And you know, if you were big enough, you'd have some resources that can make some things easier. It's that transition in no man's land, right? It's that transition from small to where you want to be. What does it take? So we know in the sales, kind of the the client acquisition side, it's going to take some resources, right? That's, you know, sales, you got to get them good and keep them good. And so it's going to take some people there. We know that from in, in terms of getting paid, you know, some people have to call and remind their clients to pay. Some people can take them an auto payment or they get all paid up front. Good for them. But if not, it's probably going to take a few people. We know I'm getting the work done. It's probably going to take a few people if you're going to be, you know, doing, realizing your opportunities. And then we've just got to kind of figure out, you know, how are we keeping these, the, the people on track and how do we keep them growing in a firm? Because the majority of people in our firm start at the very basic level. We just coach them up. And so my payroll is not as big as it would be if I had just hired everybody that was perfectly qualified for the job they had and put them in there. We have a different philosophy. We hire for character and we train from there.
1: That's a, that's a right. Well that's a right. Yeah, downer. That, that's very well put. So Bert, as you've got this hot machine running here, what are some of the success habits that you follow or just some of the things that you do in a day to, to kind of help keep things moving forward?
0: Yeah, so we have like we have certain we are pretty exhaustive when it comes to what we measure, and and we're always coming up with new measurements. But it's one thing for the leader to measure, and it's another thing to have the subordinates measure. And when we can have them measure and they're making course corrections without you, and you can ask questions, that's a habit. You know, you know Jim Collins, like my favorite book, Good to Great. Jim Collins, that you know, they talk about disciplined people followed by disciplined thought followed by disciplined action. The discipline of looking at those numbers on a periodic basis, the discipline people, the discipline thought are, hey, listen, this number is below where it's supposed to be. We don't tolerate that. This number has to get better. That discipline and then the execution that follows afterwards, that simple process rather than living in reaction of something just blew up here, something blew up here. We have to be in the front end of that. We don't need to let things fester. So, one number after the next number after the next number, and people learning to make objective decisions progressively builds a healthier company because people are dealing in, and in, in they're, you know, they, they learn how to be preventative. You know, they're changing the oil before, you know, the, the car locks up, right? That's the whole name of the game. You want your car to last? Follow the preventative maintenance. You should do the very same thing in your law firm
2: that's funny I, I was i so i'm 22 years old my grandfather just passed away my uncle asked me to come into the funeral business okay mm-hmm. and so i decide that i'm such a hot mess i got no other choice but a 22 year old decide to go and bomb bodies for a living this is right. my this is how bad it was okay this is how much i had screwed up my life and so i'm i'm ready to rock and roll i'm i'm all in and now i get to wear a suit every day and all of a sudden You know, we're not all that busy sometimes. I mean, there's times in the funeral. I mean, you can't convince anybody to want to die, right? I mean, you got to kind of wait until it happens, right? So so there's times where there's downtime. And what I didn't know about the business is during that downtime, there was a list that my grandfather had made of all the maintenance that had to be done on the building. That was our responsibility to do it during the downtime, which meant cleaning the inside of the awnings and tarring the roof and, you know, re- pointing the the blue stone in the front and like you name it we had to do it there was like this whole list of maintenance and as a kid 22 it was like oh this was the worst like i couldn't imagine why we had to do this and Now, as an adult, I fully understand he did this not to keep you busy, not to just have something to do, but he needed to stay ahead of these problems before they arose. He didn't wait until something showed up. And the only reason he knew to do it, the only reason he knew to do it is because something happened, it broke, and he learned, and he got caught, and he learned never to get caught again. That's right. And he goes, okay, now we need a system to do this all the time. That's basically what you've done is you've figured out all of these moving parts. Thank you for the shout out for a little bit of our guidance throughout the years. And then you've put the systems and the people in place so that now they're preventively, that's not a word, but they're looking at it in advance to avoid the problem before it actually happens. And so that's what allows you to sleep at night because now it's not you looking at everything because you'd never be able to look at everything at this point right?
0: Hey, hey, man. I mean, I'm still doing, I'm still finding something else to look at. I mean, this past Partners Club meeting, great point. Bert's words, not the presenter, but what is your drop-off rate? So for me, the, what I'm going to define a drop-off rate is when does a client break a promise, whether it's on a payment, whether it's on an appointment, whether it's going to be in something when do they do that and how do we put them on a list and try to get them back on track because we get paid we you know we don't win unless our client's get approved so i right. got to make sure that they stay on there so what are my triggers to make sure before they do it and how do i get on a list get that person back on there and we know that's going to affect all the rest of the numbers this is when the this is when the job gets fun mm-hmm. it's like oh god you know i wasn't like this at the beginning when we first started i was just trying to pay my bills. I would have been happy just to pay all my bills and not just be broke. Right. But it, this transition comes there when you start to ask certain questions and then you look for a better answer and that just compounds over time. And that's why you do have to be serious when you're doing this. I, you know, a lot of people, they, you know, they have some motivation. Look, it's not a motivation. It's perspiration, you know? Well, are you, are you passionate about this? Well, I'm passionate now because I got good at it. You know, beforehand, I'm not sure if I was passionate or not. But once you get good at something, then you become passionate. So all the people out there are saying, follow your passion. That's crap. Follow what's going to get you paid and take care of the job and take care of your family and take care of others and just get that going. And if you can either become passionate, if not, let it make enough money, you can find something else to do. But don't give up on this. We got licenses to print money and licenses to do good. And it's up to you. If you're not doing it, you got to ask yourself some hard questions. What's stopping you?
1: Well, there's the short. That's the intro for the podcast. Yeah, that was that was well said. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Bert. I, you got obviously a lot of things to be excited about. But what what what's got you just really fired up today?
0: Well, so we're getting ready. I open another office on Tuesday. And I open another office in two more weeks. So I'm fired up about everything we did in this last office to get up to 50 hires in the first month. And I am going yeah. and I want to see, all right, was this just a lucky market? We know we have, we're have, we going to get some traction. We know we're going to do pretty well. But I want to see if these offices can do as well or better. And what is my playbook to make that happen? That's got me fired up right now.
2: Yeah, the Bill Belichick, man. What does that playbook look like? And how does it have to be adjusted market by market and people by people? And can the playbook can work regardless of the player? He he obviously needed Tom Brady. You probably need you, it's easier. You need, if
0: you got to a Tom Brady, all your plans are easier, right?
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. Everything becomes a lot easier. I do want to mention something though. You you know, you said something about you didn't say it like this, but I heard what you said inside of what you said, which was You know, give back, take care of people, do good, right? Right. Share. You you have a philosophy around this that you're excited about. Of this growth, this isn't just about you buying a plane if that's what you want or whatever. This is really for you about taking care of those who help you get there. And and you you have a philosophy around your profitability and how you do it. I don't know how much of that you want to share, but you do share with your team, don't you?
0: Yeah, I'd be happy to. So, you know, I will say that, you know, I was in the Marine Corps. I have post-traumatic stress disorder. I got struck by lightning, a whole other story. But part of my way that I think I overcame or turned the PTSD into a strength is I was always trying to learn something new and grow. And so that growth, you know, obviously searching for why the business and the law firm beforehand may not have been doing well, I wanted to learn whenever I was learning, I felt better. And so then my goal kind of really kind of came down to is my job wasn't just to grow, it was to help other people grow as well. So with our staff members, and when I wasn't giving them a whole lot of bonus, I wasn't giving any bonus, you know, I was just begging them to hang around, don't leave us. You know, I was like, don't worry, when we're doing well, I'll make sure you're taken care of. So, you know, you know, we're pretty daggone uh, uh, profitable and you know, we're probably anywhere from 40 to 50% profit you know, in terms of our gross revenues. And so we basically allocate 75% of the profit to allocate to the attorneys and the non-attorneys. And we, so we try to make sure everybody's very well taken care of. So we don't have much of an issue with attrition for obvious reasons, right? But I like to think that it's more than that. It's like, you know, it's like we're not here. We didn't do this alone. You know, we need to take care of everybody that we can. And if we're smart and we're good-hearted, everybody should benefit. Everybody should grow. The client should grow. The team should grow. You know, my family should grow. And, yeah, sometimes it's a little bit challenging and sometimes people get greedy, but that's okay. That's not the point. The point is we're going to do everything we can in our power to make the best of the opportunities we have. And let's live life with no regrets.
2: You know, when when you originally made that comment about 200 employees, I thought we might need to put a disclaimer that if you're driving while listening to this, be very cautious. Now that you said that you give away 75% of your profits and you are profitable to the number of 40 to 50% on gross revenues, we will just lost a couple more people driving down the road. There's no doubt about it. I mean, come on, man. I mean, you know, most law firms don't believe they can get there, right? At, right. When they're doing 500,000 or a million, let alone the numbers that you're doing now. And, and most law firms, most owners never think about how to take that profitability at, at such a high level and pour it back into their team. And so, I mean- we, you and I and Michael could talk about just that right. for a very long time, and the positives, and negatives that that's created. Because I'm sure there's both. But man, to you, kudos to you to for not only building a machine that's gotten there that you can share, but also keeping your commitment to share. And e- even when your wife probably is looking at you going, "Really?
0: Are we <laughs> really going?" Yeah, that's definitely uh, happened a couple of yeah. times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But when she gets the thank you emails back afterwards she feels like a million bucks so it's like you know it's like hey you know let's just keep it going
1: what an
2: amazing legacy what an amazing i I, that's so exciting sorry michael there you go
1: no you're good bert i mean if people did want to get in contact with you obviously don't give your cell phone this goes to a lot of people but if people did want to get in contact with you just learn a little bit more or just connect what's a good way for them to do. Yeah.
0: That. I mean, if somebody wanted to send me an email, Bert at four eyes.com B E R T at the number four I Z.com, you know, four eyes is like, you know, obviously a business that we have that basically helps people put systems together for law firms. And it grew up in a law firm. That's all it does. So in that capacity, and you know, I help with four eyes, making sure when other firms need help with systems, Rusty and the team who do it, I kind of give my two cents to see, just to make sure some of the lessons that we've learned that hopefully can help other firms as well.
1: Excellent. Well, Rich, I can't speak on behalf of you, but I think this has been a very valuable podcast today. And Bert, very appreciative for you popping on. Um, very thankful for all you had to share for other law firm owners. And uh, we do something called the gentleman's agreement around here, which means to us, if this is not your first time listening or watching to watching the podcast, excuse me, um, and you got some value, all we ask for in return is you like. Comment if you got any questions and then hit subscribe or follow depending on the platform you're listening or watching on in exchange for us investing our time, money and resources into the show. Because I got to tell you, we really like doing it and we want to make sure you guys are getting value. So this is a great way to show support in that regard.
2: Yeah, our goal is to not have this be about pitching at all. We don't want this to be about our company or anybody else's company. Obviously, the natural flow of that conversation comes for a lot of different reasons. And we're grateful to be able to share resources that make sense. But we just want to give back. And we can keep doing that. We just ask the reciprocity in return is to go out and like, share, and get this out there into the world of the law firm owners that, probably, that could use it. Like you, who's listening to this and got inspired today. Somebody else across the United States could get inspired as well. So, Bert, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate you being such a supporter of our world. Not only that, a good friend and a great partner to be in business with. So we appreciate you. Thank you for taking Thank some you. time out of the mountains away from the, the deck that's being built where the water is running underneath and you and the kids are waiting to jump in. And so I thank you for that. You can get back to the family and and getting back to the fun up there in the mountains.
0: Thanks, guys.